Welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as the Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host, Kevin Paneskis. Hello and welcome to the Service Combination Property Podcast. The next speaker, the keynote speaker for today is Mikey Small. Now, Mikey, he's been doing service combination for a number of years now. He does rent to service combination, purchase to service combination and service combination management. He's now just about to tip over to 21 properties. So a wealth of knowledge is going to be sharing his journey and his tips and tricks in service accommodation. Can I get a massive round of applause for Mikey Small, everyone? Thank you, mate. Well, hello, audience. How are we? Very well. Um, I will just say that Kevin dropped this on me short notice and I had a contract negotiation that went until about four o'clock yesterday. So I've had to do this on the hop to a certain extent. But what you'll see is pretty much all my notes out in the, in the, in the ether. And you'll also, um, you'll, you'll get to read that. So apologies. I will elaborate in a bit, in a few minutes, but as it goes, um, Kev told me to keep the slides very, uh, non-image based because obviously that doesn't translate on a podcast so you'll be happy to know that I've got 125 slides <laughs> with no photos okay so as you can see my name's Mikey I am a service accommodation operator manager and owner and my name is Mikey not Mickey like the mouse um, although I have got big ears, um, thanks to my mum for that one. Okay, I was born in, um, in Coventry and I now live in Birmingham. I've lived in Birmingham for approximately 17 years, so I'm nearly an honorary Brummie. Um, I married a Brummie, my wife, my support, my rock, my beautiful wife, she paid me to say that. Um, and we've got a little boy who is now seven, nearly eight. Um, and yeah, that's it. A small fact about Coventry. Um, if you didn't know, if you've never been there, it is the pebble dashed, um, capital of the country. Um, and if you haven't ever seen pebble dashing, go to Bur um, Coventry and you will see it quite often. Okay. As I said before, I am a property investor, operator and management of, um, manager of service accommodation in the West Midlands, predominantly Birmingham and Coventry. Uh, we are looking to expand outside of that sphere at the moment, um, but that's more about the investors that we in, um, engage with than it is about our design now. Um, I've secured 20 units plus um, with a mix of managed, owned and rent to rent. Um, today I'll be talking about my journey, what I've learnt, what I've learned, what I've learned, and um, my ambitions for the future and how that fits. So, before I get into the finer details, I'll give you a bit of background about me, um, who I am and what I've done. 
um, what my ambitions were before I grew up. Um, I had three main ambitions before I grew up. Uh, one was to be an NBA basketball player. Um, <laughs> the other one was to be an England rugby player. And then the third was to get into this property investing world. Um, you probably can guess which ones the earliest ones were. Fortunately, I was able to um, experience two of those three dreams. Um, I played semi-professional rugby up until about 25, but unfortunately that was cut short due to a sporting injury, a severe sporting injury. Um, so I had to go back to my game plan, uh, which was go back to university, graduate, complete my degree, and then get into the world of corporate life, which was great after you've played rugby for the best part of 15 years. Um, as I mentioned, my dreams, the sports side of things taught me, um, although it ended uh, quite abruptly, that to work in high-pressured environments, um, to communicate really well, and when the, so to speak, shit hits the fan, you've just sometimes just got to get up and do it. So, I've not, not everything's been rosy. Yes, I played rugby, but I am dyslexic. I was diagnosed pretty early. Um, I think it was around about four or five when I was a young lad. Um, what that meant to me in an education environment, I had an aptitude for um, practical learning. Um, I enjoyed that, uh, although I did struggle um, with reading. Um, my vocabulary um, was really high, and the offshot is people on that spectrum have quite a high um, IQ. Don't know what it is now, but. Um, but I would say thank you to the person that invented Grammarly, because now I don't need to worry about those things. And although I do get spelling, spelling mistakes wrong, that is just water for, water for ducks back nowadays. So, um, as I said, I went back to uni, completed that, and walked into the sphere of um, education or academic after that. Corporate life, straight into the recession. Um, so, the degree that I prepped, prepped for and planned for, didn't really work out. And what I've learned with rugby is sometimes you've just got to adapt and move on. So the dream of um, becoming a designer went and I ended up getting into the world of sales and marketing. And that's what I've done for the past 10 plus years. Um, but settling down in, into a work, working environment, wasn't that easy for me. I didn't really feel like I fit in. Um, I was very creative, very um, gregarious character, smiley guy, um, but I just didn't always feel like I, I fit in. I've been made redundant twice in my, um, in my life, my working career. And um, fortunately or unfortunately, I can say the first time was nearly straight out of uni, and the second one was quite recently, actually. Um, I will go into that later. Uh, the first time obviously rocked my world completely, um, as it does to everybody. Redundancy is not a nice thing to hear when you sit in an office. Um, and because of that, I realized how vulnerable you are in the workplace. 
And I was always from that point looking at something different, something more, something that I could own, create and grow to a certain extent. So because of that, I fell upon uh, personal development books, Tony Robbins, the gateway book that most people have read or might not have got around to it yet, which was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, for me, Robert Kiyosaki was the door that opened to this world of potential investments, understanding what liabilities are, assets, and also understanding um, how little financial understanding I had in the world, personally. Um, and there were so many more books that opened up this world of personal development and also potential um, getting into investing in the future. Things like the compound effect, um, four hour working week, and multiple streams of property income. I haven't quite got around to reading Kev's book yet. I've heard it's pretty good. Um, and I have actually ordered it. I ordered it when Kev uh, <laughs> told me I was doing this presentation. <laughs> so thanks, Mike, you should say, uh, for your commission. So, um, so at this point, still not very well educated in the nuances of property yet, or property strategies, I started exploring the world of YouTube, audiobooks, networking events, property education, and more books to really navigate what I was going to do for the future. Um, didn't quite know where that future was going to be. I was still in the world of work, and it was always save a little bit, put a little bit away, and potentially save for future deposits or some property training. Um, which when you know, you know, and it doesn't always mean that your path's going to be that easy. And what I mean by that is you might know you want to get into something. You might know that you need to do something, but the world and the universe will have a way of sometimes throwing things into your path to one, restrict you, to two, cause you to make an excuse on, th on things personally, not ready, got some debts, Tomorrow, tomorrow, manana, manana. Um, as the Jedi Master Yoda says, do or do not, there is no try. And that's something, I'm a massive Star Wars freak um, and fan, sorry. Um, and I love that statement. It's something that if I'm ever struggling in a day, that might have happened yesterday, it was do or do not, there is no try. Um, and if you use that as a, uh, a mantra, uh, it, can do you, it can do you some positive strict, uh, things. So at the time, there were still a few ex excuses in my way. We had a newborn. We just bought our new house. It needed an absolute fortune spent on it. So any extra cash that we used to buy the house went completely into the property. So it just wasn't there. And on the off shot, we became accidental landlords as well. So the house that we um, lived in, which was a one-bed masonette, we decided to keep because it was bought fairly high um, in the last recession, um, and we wouldn't have made that much money on it. Um, so we decided to keep it and turn into, into landlords, which we did uh, for the next four or so years. Um, 
the early days of a landlord obviously taught me that one one bedroom by to let is somewhere close to you'll be a long time dead before you generate any wealth from it. Um, so I was definitely looking around the creative strategies to try and improve um, or supercharge those that income stream because um, a couple of hundred pounds wasn't going to cut it, unfortunately. Uh, so if 90% of the millionaire's wealth comes from property, what do they know that the working class is and I didn't know? The word is education to a certain extent. So fast forward a few years, um, I'd, I'd moved jobs after redundancy and was very happy in the role, loved the role, but the environment was really toxic for me. Couldn't quite understand why. Um, and it was a, a, a journey in a car with a work colleague that actually um, showed me or made me understand what was going on. And I just said to him, I can't really understand it. The, the team doesn't really feel like they gel with me. I don't, don't know what's going on. And he's like, if you don't know you're being bullied, you're, um, it's a far cry from what's going on. You're, you're, you are actually being bullied. Um, we don't know why. Oh, he didn't know why. I didn't know why. And I didn't even really identify it. Being a very confident person at the time, um, this was a really challenging point for me in, in my life because I was in a really well-paid job. Um, as, a, as a man, as a person, you want to provide for your family. And, and stepping away from that really well-paid job was uh, the discussion or the decision of uh, sacrificing that comfort um, and those nice luxury things and that time with your family in social environments, entertainment and things like that. But why, I ask, okay? So I would definitely advise anybody that feels like they're not in an environment at work that they truly love to evaluate what's going wrong. And if it's not working for you there, I 100% guarantee that there is something out there better for you that you will enjoy 100% more. It might be just that step aside to get rid of that toxic relationship. And yeah, you can be paid as much money in the world, um, but I promise you it will not do any good for you, your mental health, and you won't do yourself in any favors any, anyway. I stayed in that role. I didn't quit straight away though. Stayed in that role for another three months um, because of that comfort. But what I would say is get used to being or working in the discomfort because that's where the growth happens. Um, so I finally did it, I handed in my notice and walked away from that job. Um, and yeah, I found another one pretty quickly. Um, and it was, a, it was a far better environment. And that really then set me to put myself first and start this property journey. Um, so for me, uh, I urge all of us to reflect. If the job doesn't work, then you might need to think about doing something different. Step away from that toxic environment. Um, and then that might be your liberation. The universe has a way 
of sometimes helping you out once you leave that job and put little nuggets of gold in front of you. You meet people, chance, chance meetings. In this room today, potential JV investors with you, partnerships, friends for life. Still keeping in contact with some of the people that I have met on my mastermind, on my intensive, throughout the journey for sharing a knowledge and all that sort of stuff. It's really quite strange. So, me talking about that and putting myself first, I started to attend the events in my local area, which was Birmingham, PPN um, events, uh, business network events, just to try and grow my network, understand this world, which was property. I was lucky enough, fortunate enough, to fall upon a day at a PPM when two speakers were talking. Kevin was one of them. David Siegler was the other. Um, I can't remember who went first. I remember David Siegler giving um, his talk and the, his intro was a very brief uh, roundup of what he was and who he was. Um, and then he obviously uh, elaborated on a story once where he had um, gone to a uh, estate agent and two estate agents were fighting outside of it and he had to step over them before he could have the conversation with the agents inside to discuss potential deals. Um, Kev's chat, I can't remember all of it, but I remember that the point was this service accommodation thing could possibly have legs. Um, I could see there was multiple streams of income, cash flow to it, property management, ownership, rent to rent, a really low bar to entry. Um, and for me at the time, that was perfect because if I was going to spend money on courses or if I was going to spend money on um, investing in property, I know which one I wanted to do first. But I signed that day for a taster session, came down to Peterborough, Kev delivered his, his uh, taster, but I didn't take action straight away. I waited, went away, watched some more YouTube channels, read some more books. It wasn't quite, quite right for me to pull the trigger for whatever reason. There was something stopping me from doing that. Um, and it wasn't until a few months later, I actually pulled the trigger and decided that I liked Kev. He was a nice guy. I trusted him enough that I could train through him and buy him. So I put my money on the line and went to the three-day intensive. And overnight, like, like most of, of, of all of us have done, to get here um, and, as I said, made some really good friends, networked with a lot of people, had some potential JV partners, and worked with some people as well. So after the, the taster, the three, three days were over, weekend courses, I'd never been so ready to learn because I could see the opportunity in front of me and to create a business and build it from the scratch, uh, the sky was the limit for me and I was really all in for that. That was amazing. Um, I left the three-day intensive course full of knowledge, had new friends, fellow operators to share knowledge with and ideas. Okay? And after the intensive, I graduated to the mastermind um, and it was a great opportunity to meet like-minded people, operate, operators and build my network. 
Um, you never quite know who's in the room, um, which Kev will say quite often. And he said to me in person, and he said to me personally as well, which was great for me. Partnerships, amazing. So I'd like to say that my Sammy's experience, my SA mastermind experience, was the most successful that everybody uh, could speak of. I did multiple deals in my first month, um, but actually that didn't happen at all, unfortunately. Um, I couldn't quite grasp or decide which route I was going to go down. Was it SA ownership that was the right path for me? Was it uh, rent to rent? Um, so I had a discussion with, with Kevin, to, to be honest, and he painted a very clear picture. Asked me how much money potentially I would have for a deposit, and then he put it into quite easy maths. If you've got 40K to, to put into a deal for a, um, for, for a potential purchase, that 40K is gone. You'll have some sort of um, uh, refurb cost, cost on most properties that are around that sort of price, um, 180,000 there or thereabouts. Um, and then you've got operation costs to start off with, and you haven't even opened for business. With rent to rent, you could potentially have four properties around about the 10,000 pound mark to invest. It doesn't cost that much, not always anyway, depending on the size. And then those properties could genuinely um, profit net you 10,000 pounds. That's what Airbnb advertise. Any operator host will earn 10,000 pounds a year. Um, and if you're on only Airbnb, that's fantastic. But if you're on multiple online travel agents, then the opportunity for you to earn potentially more than that 10,000 pounds a year is fundamentally open for business and great. So that's what I did. I started looking for uh, rent to rent options straight away. I didn't go direct to vendor straight off the bat. I went to my lowest bar of entry, the people with the most product, and that's agents. Um, that was hard to start off with. Uh, you don't quite know what to say, get mixed up, haven't got any credibility. So I did what most salespeople do, just keep on doing it and learning from your mistakes. So that's what I did. Finally got my first deal. It's probably, I think, my fourth month of SA Mastermind, which I was really happy about. Over the moon, in fact. I'd, um, I'd understood a few things about that point, which is if you want to go fast, go on your own. If you want to go far, go together. And that was my next hurdle. I had lots of time to work outside of my, um, my nine to five job. I had lots of time to work the operational side of things in terms of business, but I had limited cash to start off with. And I had, um, I was in need of some cash injection, to be honest. So uh, another suggestion from Kev, why don't you JV with somebody in the room? And that is pretty easy to do. You have a conversation with somebody, you like them, 
discuss what your opportunity is, what their opportunity is, and if there's a synergy and you get on and you think there's potential um, room for a JV partner, that's what you do. Just JV. It's simple. It sounds really difficult, but it isn't. It is really simple. So my first deal was done. We weren't even out of the gate yet, but I had a JV partner to fund the first deal and then get going. So we secured a property. Um, unfortunately, that property was, wasn't quite ready yet. Um, so although we signed the contracts in July, we didn't get hold of the property until October. And then it was about three weeks. Three weeks. It doesn't take me three weeks now to set up a property. Um, my best time so far is 10 days. No, seven. But then before that, it was 10. Um, but three weeks was the time it took. But that was because I didn't, I didn't lease any of the furniture. I bought all the furniture direct. I then uh, had to make all that furniture because it's all flat pack. Has anybody done flat pack furniture in their first set setup, second setup, third setup? We've all done it. It's horrible. I hate it. I had to do a flat pack the other day for a dressing table in one of our essays, which was lacking a dressing table, table for our, our female clientele. It could be a male clientele as well, but it was, a, it was a, a female client that said, you don't have a dressing table. And I said, yes, you're right, I don't. Uh, so that's what I did, I went out and got one. Um, so yeah, October, we got the keys, three weeks it took us to set up. November the 11th was our day of launch. Um, you have that anxiety of, will anybody come to my party for the first booking? We took our first booking. It was four nights. It was a 415 pounds booking. And it was amazing. Quite quickly after that, we took another booking for the weekend and we'd made, um, lesser all the fees, 850 pounds in our first week. So on track to do a three and a half thousand pound revenue turnover in our first month. I was elated because everything you get told on these YouTube channels, in trainings, in books, that the potential earnings are really high, that was obviously backed up in the results. So I was on board. I was ready and primed to do more deals and more confident than I'd ever been to have those conversations with now agents, because I've done that before, and also to, um, to direct to vendors. Uh, the agent side was so much easier now because I was credible. I've got a previous relationship with an agent who was bringing me deals. And why wouldn't he take the risk? If I can pick up deals off him month after month after month, rather than find a residential tenant and then have to go through all those checks for that to fall out, aren't you a better choice to choose? I feel so. So at the end of the year, I was fully committed um, and I was happy to promote the ideas to the landlords and to agents. Um, deals, your first deal is the hardest. People will always say that. And you don't quite know that until you do it. It's the hardest because you've never done the negotiation. You don't know how long it takes. You've got no credibility in the market. You've got no credit score as a business. 
all of these hurdles that are in front of you. But once you've done that, that kind of gets out of the way. And then you've got credibility. So deals two and three came pretty quickly in January of um, 20. Um, I still killed my fourth deal um, pretty quickly after that. Um, but unfortunately, due to the landlord passing away, that deal dropped. But I wasn't dismayed. My experience from that experience was behind every house is a landlord. Behind every landlord is a landlord's family. Um, I had a pretty good relationship with the landlord at the time and the agent that was representing him. Uh, the agent actually turned out to be his daughter and I'd kept in touch with her, but realized that we'd gone a bit quiet. We agreed our terms. Um, I'd signed some contracts. I'd done the referencing checks. And then, um, yeah, things just went quiet on the landlord side. So I called back a month after. I expected to have a call to say, we're getting the keys at some point. And um, yeah, the, the agent obviously was in the know. And she was open enough to say, unfortunately, my, my father's passed away. Um, and I was gutted for her more than anything. Wasn't really bothered about the deal for me. Um, there are plenty of deals in the sea, as they say. Um, and I was happy to move on. Uh, we keep in touch. Um, unfortunately, she doesn't have that many properties in the Birmingham area. She does have some in Leicester. So we haven't quite done a deal yet. But I'm sure if we do move out into the Leicestershire area, that we will potentially do deals for the future. So then March hit, and that was COVID. I thought, funny enough, that uh, it was going to be this little thing, three months, six at best, uh, a bump in the road, a blip. And that's what I told some of the investors at the time, um, because I can remember it vividly. We were down at the short stay show. And I had a conversation with the investor and she said, what, what are we going to do? And I said, well, we're pretty committed, to be honest. Um, we've signed the contracts. We're in contract terms. So we either, and we've paid for products. We've got, we've got furniture coming and all that sort of stuff. Um, I said, if we set up and it doesn't work, we'll just activate our break clause. Unfortunately, we didn't need to. Um, Pretty quickly into the pandemic, we switched from a two-night minimum stay to a 28-night minimum stay. And we attracted long-stay bookings from the NHS. Um, the three or four proper, the three properties that we had were all full with NHS staff for four months for the first lockdown. So that saw us through the first lockdown, which was fantastic. Um, and then we ended up... Um, just continuing as it was. Trade was good. Business was good. Um, we started or I'd started engaging with other clients for long stays, not your situs or your silver doors, but just potential bookings that were relocations by companies, corporates. Um, and that model really worked for us or me. Um, units four to seven, I secured in the South Birmingham area. Um, and then nearing the end of 2020, um, eight and units eight and 10 secured. And a third one fairly quickly after that, or a third one with three units. Um, 
which needed a light refurbishment. So by the end of, or by the beginning of 2021, we were, were sitting pretty um, with, I think, 13, the maths, right? Um, then for a separate unit in Coventry, I was approached to manage. And I definitely was interested in managing and knew I could do it. So that's what we did. Uh, we've managed that property since, and it's been flying, to be honest. Um, it's a four-bedroom house, uh, a one-bedroom apartment, and a one-bedroom apartment on the ground floor as well. It trades really well. Um, now, I'm in discussions with the small building team, and we're looking and planning to buy our first property. Uh, the offer's been accepted. Um, if you want to know more about that, probably best to follow me on my socials. Um, and we are looking at buy, refurbish, refinance to SA model um, for all of our future listings and all of our future products. So things I've learned on my journey, okay? Always have two exits when you're considering SA. If it doesn't work as an SA, it could work as potentially something else if you have the, the right legal um, and permissions in place. Um, don't be too hard on the vendors if, it, if, a, if a deal falls out. You'd never know what the circumstances are behind that deal or what the reason why they've got cold feet. And there are plenty more fish in the sea, as they say. Um, be brave. Be bold. There's no room for the faint-hearted. Take calculated risks. Do your due diligence, and that should see you right. Sometimes it's good to execute quickly, but don't be afraid to take your time. And make sure that your deal you've done, the next deal is done better. So whether that's contract negotiation, whether that's um, the numbers, uh, whether it's the deal on both sides or the contract term, just make sure the small improvements are made and that creates protection for you and your business. And I think that's me. Thank you for listening to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. You can also follow me on social media and YouTube by searching The Property Soldier. Also check out my website, www.propertysoldier.co.uk, where you can learn even more about property investing and serviced accommodation.